Hello, everybody, and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. My name is AJ Falleri, and I had a very hard time not going into the intro to my other podcast. With me today <laughs> is my very best friend, Peter Bond. Hello. Good morrow. Okay. And with me... <laughs> With me as well is the owner of the loudest computer fan in existence, Joshua Baker. How's it going? That's right. It's the only fan I'll ever need. Oh, nice. Today on the show, we are going to be talking about chapters four, five, and six of Dust of Dreams. But before we talk about that... No India, which makes us all sad. Yeah. Yes. But uh, she will be back soon enough. She'll be back next episode just... uh, some scheduling stuff and it's gonna it is what it is so uh before we get into talking about the chapters today i did just want to ask it's cool outside the weather is nice i've got a long sleeve shirt on what are your guys go-to drinks for the fall times i'll give you an answer i've been drinking a lot of water because i feel terrible i believe i've caught a cold and Oof. um you know maybe if i just drink enough water it'll help you know mm-hmm. on that i really change my coffee drinks to the mood of the season so this week i pivoted it finally got cold and rainy over here so i've pivoted very hard into just hot coffee and loving life i go a little bit it's the it's look it's the beginning of the fall season we're in the spoopy months so i also i go a little teeny dash of pumpkin creamer Mm. non-dairy of course because i thought you were gonna say pumpkin spice now um AJ, now that our chatter is sufficiently warm and we're feeling all comfortable and that Wait, the we audience... Did, we did ask AJ what... Yeah, jeez, what... Louise. Yeah, AJ, what do you drink uh, in the fall? I mean, I'm kind of just like a black coffee slash black Americano kind of person all year round, but we have been making our own pumpkin spice syrup that is so tasty. Insufferable. It's delightful and uh, yeah, it's insufferable. I agree. Um, Do you just, is it just like a simple syrup, but you add like the four made pumpkin spice spices to it? It's a simple syrup with also brown sugar, uh, pumpkin spices and pumpkin. I did briefly consider never buying pumpkin spice again when I realized it's just like ginger, cinnamon, cloves and nutmeg. But then I forgot that I'm insufferable and I only buy whole nutmeg. Mm. And so the other week, HR wanted a a pumpkin spice latte and I was just like great. And I was like, I was like, fuck this. We're buying we're buying pumpkin spice (laughs) pre-made. Not doing this. I love that. That's really good. Um, <laughs> uh, also today, as of, I guess yesterday, I don't know exactly know when this dropped. Four hours ago, four hours ago. Four hours ago. So as of... It's, it's literally today. Yeah. Uh, today is October 5th, Wednesday. Uh, and as of four hours ago, uh, the cover for the next Path to Ascendancy, Ian C. Esselmont novel has dropped. And Josh wanted to talk about it. I do. There are some hot takes on this cover. And I, I look, I, I was really happy. I, I read a, a quick, like, three comments on the Mal- Malazan subreddit post on this. And they immediately clarified why I don't like this cover. And look, mm. I get it. All Malazan covers are, the covers are not chosen by the authors. This is not a, I'm not coming at any author. I'm, Steve has said he gets literally no say in what these things look like. This picture is absolutely impossible to look at because a this person is both facing you and facing away yeah. <laughs> okay i could not put that into words i couldn't like quantify what i didn't like about the person until someone on reddit wrote that i was like oh that is what it is i see his face but the clothes are folded in a way that only happens when they're on your back so impossible makes no sense secondly def if this was not an ai generated art someone definitely made it and then someone in the publishing house was like but man what if we put a fucking compass and a a telescope (laughs) at the bottom and because they are clearly photoshopped on top sure absolutely just grabbed from an asset folder and thrown into this and it is driving me nuts (laughs) pete's just seeing this for the first time pete thoughts I mean, I don't know. I I feel nothing about this. This is this is unfortunate. This is, in my opinion, unfortunately, where the book cover Mm -hmm. market has gone for the fantasy novel. And it's like I'm so much more into kind of lush art 
where it's a character and there's a weird dragon yes. or there's some weird thing. You yeah, know? Well, bring Pete's, back uh, bring back the eighties Mercedes yeah, exactly. lackey novel covers. Yes. Please. Yeah, I enjoy something painterly like that. And listen, it's like you know, it's totally in a way. It's not like an artistic. It's like it's all moved by what sells and all these trends. So you know, it's you know, I don't have a strong opinion, but I I, I prefer those older covers to most of these books. Mm. And you know, I, I don't particularly uh, care for this, but now, you know, I, I I don't think it's the worst thing ever. Mm. You know, there was also a a small controversy in that, in addition to the release date and cover. A name change was announced for this mm. book. It was name a re- change was announced a while ago. Oh, was it? I didn't know that. I'd look. I don't. I have not read any of these books because I'm not allowed to until we finish these ten. Uh, Pete, what are your thoughts on a not calling it the Jahostel anymore and b two forge titles in one series? I do just want to say uh, it's just tall. I believe. Yeah, Josh, not Jahostel. Could you? But- pronounce that correctly please i'm very particular about those type of stuff so sorry what would udonis think of me (laughs) um and they're actually not two forge things in the same series this is actually in the path to ascendancy oh there are different things i just saw it was in the same i guess someone wrote in the same franchise oh it's forge of darkness steve did he write forge of darkness steve Uh, that's an error well that's fine sorry that's my error i thought it was the same series and i was like you can't have two forges unless they're all forges right so yeah if you have two that's fine yeah well okay i think uh, maybe we'll cover Forge of the High Mage eventually. That's yeah. another Esselmon stuff. We haven't touched Path to Ascendancy, though. So. True. I just wanted to bring this up because uh, they, I don't know if you know, but Malazan, as, a, as an original series, is finished. So it's not often oh. we get up-to-date news stories that we can cover on our Malazan yeah, piping podcast. Piping hot so Malazan really, news. really felt like we needed to jump on this today. When God is Not Willing came out, I was like, holy shit, yeah. it's time. Josh, this episode will come out a month from now. <laughs> so, <laughs> piping hot at the time, but like ice cold by the time people are I hearing it. I think that's it. fine. Ice that's cold. Fine. People, people love takes a monthly (laughs) yeah a monthly just give me the same takes i don't i don't watch the super bowl until march okay i like to let the (laughs) hype die down just enjoy the game for what it is what is this real absolutely not okay i was like man this is a decision all right uh all that said let's get into this set of chapters right now chapter four Kayla thinks about the customs of her people, the Alan, the leadership of the Kachain Chamal, and the spotted horse. She puts a bundle of hallucinogenic herbs in her mouth to begin her ride. Sag Chirak overhears Kayla's whispered doubts and thinks about the matron and her flawed children. He thinks of Red Mask and whether they were right to put their faith in a human. A Kachain lookout, Garol, telepathically tells Sagcharak and the other hunters that there are humans incoming that they should go battle with. Gunthmok tells Sagcharak not to do this, and reveals that she has matured more than she has been leading on. She tells Sagcharak that the matron cannot see past her suffering. On her vision quest, Kalith sees an old man with tattoos quenching his hands in sand in front of a giant jade finger. The man tells Kalith of the inevitable falling of all people and his intention to wield a great weapon, even though they attempted to kill said weapon. They talk of the reality of Kalith's quest, the sides of mortals and gods, and his rust-colored hands. The Kachain Shamal wind up killing all but two white-faced Bargast scouts. Sagcharak gives us a Kel Hunter biology lesson, and Garol and the others head out to face the rest of the Bargast. As Kalith's vision fades to a scene of battle, she sees something familiar from Ampelis Rooted, but is unsure whether this is a vision of the past or the future. Hetan thinks about her daughters, Stavi and Story, their relationship to Krupp, and their propensity toward manipulating Tool. She shoos them away and tells Tool that the clan leaders are gathering, but they still have not heard from the South or the Outlands. Hetan tells Tool that the clans need to be reminded why they are here fighting, 
but Tool does not think he would be any help. He cannot hear the fury of the Bargast gods. She thinks of how Tool has been troubled since becoming Warchief. She wishes that Kalava had stayed to help him in this, and his grief over Tak. They talk of the young warrior's bloodlust, the Imas, and she demands he find them an enemy. Torrent feels haunted by the ghost of Tak among the Gadra clan of the white-faced Bargast. He is found by the two dogs who had escaped the Kachain Shamal slaughter, and he rides out toward the scene of the battle. On his ride, he thinks about how Tak had shaken his faith in the Awl and Red Mask, how the Lethery could never be defeated, and how even the Bargast are doomed. He thinks of his duty to the remaining Awl, all children, and comes across the butchered Bargast camp. Setak, a young girl who was found among a pack of wolves, thinks about what she is going to tell Kafal. She says she will warn him that death is coming from the skies. Kafal, another white-faced Bargast, thinks about an old run-in with Ganos Perrin. Kafal wakes up Talamandus, and they talk of the Bargast gods. Kafal thinks about Setak's role with the wolf gods and the Bargast's pursuit of the Greyswords. Talamandus tells Kafal to send Setak away, but instead, Kafal talks to her about the clans, the green spears in the sky, and finding the right enemy. Setak says the right enemy is peace. In the desert, the snake continues on. Bedal says some words over Visto's body and thinks about the new girl who has joined them, Braderall. She says Braderall reminds her of the Quitters. Sadek thinks that Badal's words were not just for Visto, but all of the survivors in the snake. He thinks that Badal wants everyone to forget their past so that everything will feel new when they find it. The snake finds a watering hole, and the locusts attack. Josh, you told you said in our group chat that you think this chapter was a huge bummer. <laughs> was it anything specific or is it just kind of the whole vibe? I just think in general, this entire chapter, like the only the closest thing we get to any kind of lighthearted moments mm. maybe comes from the Kachain Chamal. Mm. Like that's the closest to not depressing. And if the Kachain Chamal hunters are the least depressing part of a chapter, then, like, you know, the vibes are off. You don't feel a lot of empathy toward these Tyrannosaurus Rex with uh, sword arms? I mean, look, are they sick? 100%. Do I love <laughs> learning now that they're also bees? Hell yeah. <laughs> but, like, they I love are all the stuff also... about the physiology. Oh, uh, the physiology is like, the oils great. and, like, the glands and stuff. Yeah, that's, like, the best part of this whole chapter. But, like... Would I sit down and share a drink with them? No, because they're inscrutable and would murder me. Sure. So, yeah. Totally disagree. If someone wanted to, if they wanted to share a glass of wine, let's hang out. But like, look, if they wanted to, sure. But like the odds of them wanting to feels pretty low. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Pete, I mean, Josh What's said up? that the, the Kachain Shamal stuff was his favorite stuff. And I have to hard disagree because I think the Caliph vision stuff was awesome awesome what did you think about That's all my this favorite stuff? stuff by a mile it yeah. absolutely rules 100 yeah. percent. and then the some of the stuff later on about uh Caffel and some of the bargas stuff you know uh, i don't that doesn't do a ton for me mm. but i definitely love the beginning of this chapter with the change stuff and then kalos vision quest is absolutely cool and it's fun that it follows up on like the pale horse thing that's mentioned maybe two or three chapters mm -hmm. ago and here we really get to see what that means, what that type of spirituality means for her people, yeah. and this almost ayahuasca-esque mm -hmm. uh, trip she goes on. Yeah, I thought this was great. I loved, I mean, I always love seeing Haboric again. I love when he just talks about unknowables or whatever. And also, we're kind of leaning more into the uh, Jade stuff as this chapter goes on, which is ominous, to say the least, I have to say. 
Yeah, AJ, what did you like about this Caliph Vision stuff? Yeah, no, I mean, I, uh, like I said, I, I just love seeing Haboric at any time. I loved their short conversation about like, oh, well, this is all hallucination and him being like, well, yes and no, because it's kind of just like opening your mind up to like the vibrations of the world or whatever, which I just thought was really, really cool and um, a really, a really neat thing to see you know uh uh of this culture that she is the only one who is left i think is is cool um that she's not mm. just this like sad tool for the kachain shamal it's like she is her own kind of you know she has her own kind of thing which is which is nice yeah it's interesting to see her kind of uh inhabit her own personality and we kind of learn more about her outside of that initial meeting right. which is so like you're in ampelis rooted and it's very wrapped up in like what is the hunger and like what the fuck's going you yeah. know so it's like oh here she is this is kind of a little bit of her personality yeah i feel like her pov could have just been used kind of how tox was i mean talk we obviously had more baggage and stuff but kind of how tox was used in memories of ice where he was kind of at a point just like turned into a camera to like see what's happening with like the matron and they can change them all and stuff i could see her whole role in this book being something like that where it's just like man it stinks to be a human amongst all these lizard people here is what they are doing and why um <laughs> so i think it's really nice to actually have her be a pov that is like like doing something i guess i, I don't know the, the implications there are kind of iffy that like talk didn't do anything but i like her pov and i like what it's turned into and i'm uh curious to see where it goes so josh we also see henton here and um i would say it's been a really long time since we checked in with this character and mm -hmm. she's definitely at a different point than when we left her at the end of memories of ice so what was your impression seeing where at where she's at now um she's a mother she has these kids she's coming to this foreign land with uh the, with her family and her clan so what what was it like returning to her and and what do you think how do you feel like she's changed what do you think made those changes happen I feel like back in Memories of Ice which again it's a little bit ago so my memory's not the clearest I, I remember Hetton being above all a fun character you know like she was this big bold brass female character she was a bargas female and she was the only one only female bargas that we really got to see that much uh and i really liked her character in that book although you know we we i think at the time we were like maybe she, maybe she uh fucks too many men against their wishes you know maybe that happens a little too often and then in this one it's so weird to see her so serious mm. you know it's a very hard character change and i know that they've gone through a lot of hard stuff although we do get a lot of like hard exposition in this section where i'm like oh i feel like steve wanted to show us more of this but like there there was no organic way for any of this to be in the other book so i mm -hmm. get why he has to do that Interesting seeing here with Tool. I like that. And I, I do fully. Tool being like unable to make decisions. Very on brand for someone that was, you know, a Talani Mass for, you know, for fucking ever. So I don't blame him there that much. And uh, the reveal that her kids are Krups. Pretty good. So. Yeah, I mean, I think she is more serious in a way. I think she has a lot more responsibility now, of course. Oh, yeah. Not that she didn't have responsibility in Memories of Ice, but obviously, um, you know, I don't know. What do you think, AJ? Yeah, no, I agree. I think she's def there's definitely just kind of a more dour tone over all of the Bargas stuff, I think, than there yes, was yes. when we encountered them in Memories of Ice. So I think that's, you know, also goes obviously into these these POVs that we see here as well. But like even, you know, starting off this this whole section talking about Stavian story and their like ability to manipulate, you know, uh, tool and stuff I think is kind of the I don't want to call it goofy but it's kind of the like goofy bargast stuff that we had kind of encountered in Memories of Ice it's like all oh, these people love to fight and they love to fuck and like that's kind of been their whole thing but I think also this kind of speaks to later on in this section where she talks about how tool becoming warchief has kind of been kind of like a good and bad thing for the bargast because he like doesn't hear she says hear the fury of their their gods or whatever and he just does not have this like bloodlust that they do so anytime people want to like fight or battle or whatever and they don't really need to he's just like no we don't have to do that so i think like this this kind of more serious quote-unquote tone that we're we're taking here with these bargast are because they are kind of like being forced to live closer to a like imas way than than like the the actual you know bargast way that they want to live you know yeah 
I think it's interesting to see a little more about, I don't know if it's in this chapter or a later chapter. I don't know, maybe this one. There's a lot of exposition in this mm-hmm. one. As we're just learning more about what the Bargast are doing here and um, what how they've kind of settled and what that's like. Um, yeah. So what they 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 were just chasing the gray swords. That was like their whole thing. Yeah, they were following up the gray swords, and then the gray swords just got fucking annihilated. So AJ, we also uh, check in with a few other characters. Um, one of them, I w- do want to talk about Torrent, but we do speaking about the bar guys. We talk about Cathal, mm-hmm. who we have seen before, mm-hmm. and he thinks a little bit back about his conversation with Ganos Peran. Did you remember Cathal? Did that conversation stand out to you? What did you think about his emergence into this story? The name kind of rung a bell, but even when I was reading, when they brought up the conversation with Perrin, I did not and still cannot make a connection to when they talked or really what they talked about. I do think uh, uh, just a, a bit of a, a, a sidetrack. Um, as I was writing the summary, I made a connection that Setok is the young girl who in Reaper's Gale is like the farmer's, the, oh, the farmer's son's yes. uh, sister. Um, and she like runs away and, and yeah. finds her place among these wolves. This is her, which is wild. Wow. I think that's very, very good and cool. Good, good pull, AJ. Thank you. I, I honestly, like I said, it didn't it didn't come to me until I wrote out the phrase "a young girl who was found by a pa- among a pack of wolves." I was like, "Oh, oh, 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 oh." Um, yeah, both Setok and Torrent are kind of yeah bleedovers from yeah. the Red Mask all plotline, mm-hmm. yeah. which. You know, it's kind of funny because we were obviously talking about it and then we talked about it last week that a lot of the kind of continuation of that plot line, which does bleed over, all happens in this book, despite at the end of Reaper's Gale, it's seeming like, okay, well, that's that. We've wrapped up this whole Mm storyline, you know? Josh, oh. what did you think about this Kafal stuff? Uh, do you remember? Because you remember characters sometimes. I'll t- I just want a quick sidebar. When I was reading Memories of Ice this time, I was reading that scene, and I was like, <laughs> uh, this comes up later. Um, I remember. This is going to, we're going to circle around. I wow. felt pretty good about myself. Good for you. Do not really. I remember Talamandis, but I do not mm. remember Kafal pretty much at all. Mm. This is Hyten's yeah, I mean, brother, right? Yeah, his hand's brother. Yeah, I mean, there's like a part of me that like I remember the storyline. I just don't remember it being her brother that is involved with Talamandis. It's not right. It's someone else. I think this conversation happens in uh, after they recover the kind of lost Bargast artifacts. Oh, when they're down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ganis, he like goes under the road or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's I think they're in yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the ruins of Kapustan. Yeah, they're in Kapustan. Like it's it's like below the big temple yeah. that was that had all those shitty. Uh, mortal god things. Uh, yeah, I forget what their name was. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Vague good book memories. Vice. Good book memories. Good advice. book. Finally, time to circle around on this bar gas plotline. <laughs> yeah. I know that you were waiting about what was happening with them. Uh, for real. Um, and then uh, we end off with some real sad shit. Josh. God oh, damn it. Kids are dying. Locusts are attacking. I, I don't even really know what to like prompt with with this like the snake is happening how are you feeling i just don't know yeah this is not a happy series you know (laughs) and at what point as an author are you like i mean gotta kill a lot of kids with locusts i mean that's what the story needs and look everything fucking steven erickson has ever written has paid off so i know there's a payoff for this Mm -hmm. but it don't make Mm -hmm. it easier to read for the first time (laughs) yeah josh i don't mean to hype you up or anything but i agree (laughs) the series uh is mostly a bummer yeah you know i mean it's funny and fun sometimes but uh you know it is definitely a uh there's a sort of melancholy yeah i think to to the series and i would say uh this book uh is probably the most bumming in a sense. Oh, um, P- Peter, as if everyone hasn't told us that on the Discord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'd tell you so far, I've been reading it and having a fine time. So, yeah. But I also think it helps that I know what's going on. <laughs> I don't know if you know, I've read the books before. So what? Yeah. The snake's a bummer. I am. I think it's just such an interesting concept, just like as a a thing. Like these are all just like refugee kids who just like ran away and then they just happened to find each other in the desert. And like, I don't know. I mean, I, there's obviously something so evocative about that image, but it's just like as a concept, I think also really, really interesting. Hmm. Um, 
And I am curious where they end up. Like, are we in the wastelands? Like, where are we even? We don't even know, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, we we tried to figure it out. I think we're like southeast of what the map shows us. I always imagine them in a very abstract gray space. You know. Yeah, that's kind of what I see is just like a bunch of sand and then sky and then there's yeah. like nothing really around them. Yeah, yeah like a kind of barren, like a desolate like atmosphere. Yeah. Oh, uh, and then was that a sorry? Was that a what a Warcraft pool? That was a World of Warcraft reference. Yeah, you tried to say my you gamers tried to, out there. It was you almost said desolate, and AJ was ready to move on. And I was like, no, yeah. Pete said desolate. All right. Yeah, I slipped it right in there. Yeah, it's wow. a shitty zone. It is not very good. The centaur idea is fun, but it's yeah. lacking execution. Agreed. Wow. My World of Warcraft knowledge failing me at this moment. <laughs> um, uh, how embarrassing for you, AJ. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then we someone, kind of get... someone was kissing girls in high school. <laughs> well, oh, oh yeah. Uh, and then finally in this chapter, we kind of get a closer view at these what they had been calling like white leaves or whatever. Um, we realize that they are just horrifying locusts that eat people. How's that doing? Big Jurassic World Dominion energy. Big. <laughs> Can I tell? Oh, I've been waiting Is for my opportunity sequel? to talk about this. This is the newest one of this year, AJ. I watched That's it. The third one. It's I, a locust-based film. And there is no way. absolutely nothing in any trailer to let you know that it is heavily locust-inspired. So holy shit. Also, can I tell you? There, while watching it, there was a big part of me that was like. Were you going to release this last year? And then you were like, hmm, maybe not. Maybe not during the the twice in a generation cicada storm. <laughs> maybe we hold off for a year. Holy shit. Um, to be fair, though, locusts are like pretty scary. They're fucking they're very, very scary, dude. Yeah, yeah. There's no to be fair about it. They're fucking awful. Yeah. You know, when you think about it, I think locusts are kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, locusts. Pretty scary. Let's uh, before we move on, let's thank the people who have supported us on Patreon. Thank you to Fran, Travis, Eddie, Chion87, The Hidden Stick, Espen, John. And I did want to just jump in. Thank you to everyone supporting us on Patreon. Uh, you have three days left to get in on that $1 tier, baby. That's right. Uh, absolutely just sneak in there, subscribe for $1, listen to the back catalog, and then get out. Don't worry about it. Um, Don't worry about it. Just, just, just put a dollar in the jar. Ch check out that content. See what's it, what's that like. Put an ear to the door. You know. You're making it sound like something illicit's going on. <laughs> if you back at the one dollar tier, uh, you will be able to stay at the one dollar tier indefinitely. Uh, we will just be delisting it publicly, um, which means new people will not be able to join at the $1 tier. But if you join now, like Pete said, you get the whole back catalog, you get all the new bonus content. Just dip in, put a dollar in the jar, then just leave. Put a dollar in the jar and leave. Okay? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, okay? <laughs> uh, there's also some other changes that came to our Patreon, but you can head on over to our Patreon and, and read the public post if you would like. Uh, and also, I think two episodes ago, Pete and I did a little explainer of what what was going on but uh, yeah the, the most detailed version is on our patreon but thank you if you are considering or if you have or if you will or ever have contributed to our patreon uh... <laughs> what is happening i don't know he just did a big fart yeah so, I'm, okay. I'm very i'm very sick i'm very out of it so i mm. really don't have the goods today okay well Let's let's move on then. Thank you so much for your support, uh, and we will move on to the rest of these chapters so Pete can go to bed. <laughs> Chapter 5 Corporal Tar and Cuddle talk about ways to train the Lethari troops they've been put in charge of. Breeze and Janath look on. Breeze talks about how he's uncomfortable that Malazan tactics involve soldiers sometimes taking matters into their own hands. Janath tells him that in Malaz culture, there is a pact between the ruler and the ruled. Abuse that from either direction and all mutual agreements are nullified. Breeze thinks that the Lothari might learn something from these Malazans yet. Tar and Cuddle start the soldiers marching while they think of what to do with them. Lestariel, Keneb, Blistig, and Quickben await the arrival of Tavor. They are all still shaken from the reading and aren't sure what their next move will be. Tavor enters with Sin. She is upset about the reading. 
She tells the group that the army will be marching east through the wastelands, either negotiating or fighting the whole way. Quick Ben tells her that the crippled god has been acting in a defensive posture because he knows what is coming, but that he's failed more than he's succeeded. He says the gods intend to chain the crippled god, this time for good. Quick Ben also says the gods are far from united, and that there will be betrayals. Tavor asks what Shadowthrone and Cotillion's end goal is, and Quick guesses that it's the end to the current pantheon. Sorcery, Warrens, all fundamentally changed. Tavor wonders if their goal isn't changing everything, but ending it and starting over. Quick Ben says that Kalor has tried that, and the lesson wasn't lost on anyone. Shadowthrone claimed Kalor's Warren as the Imperial Warren after it was destroyed. Quick continues, saying that Shadowthrone and Cotillion have scoured dead Warrens and Azath even more than Gothos. Tavor asks about the enemy to the east, and they talk of justice and nature being blind. Quick tells them that the crippled god came down in pieces, but the heart landed in Kalance to the east, the blighted land of the Forkral Assail. They intend to open Akrost Corvalane to, quick guesses, deliver justice. In the throne room in Letharis, Breeze talks about his pseudo-murder at the hands of the Errant. Ublala tells to Hull that Karsa Orlong has charged him with gathering an army to destroy the world. Breeze tells Ublala to maybe hold off on that for the time being. Having received word of the Malazan intention to march east, Tahul appoints Breeze to be amongst their escort. Tahul doesn't know what they hope to find in Kalance, and Bug requests not to be asked. Bottle, Ebron, and Deadsmell talk of the possible destruction of the Warrens. Bottle thinks that Fiddler helped feed into whatever Akarium was trying to do, and suggests that Akarium was trying to impose a new pattern on the old one. Bottle thinks they should start exploring these possible new paths, so that they overlap better. Sin and Grub are in the Azath, and are talking about Icarium's new pattern. Grub thinks it's broken, and Sin suggests they fix it. Hedge and Fiddler talk about Hedge's unceremonious revival, and how they aren't squadmates anymore. Fid suggests Head take up with Gessler's squad in an effort to turn him into a bone hunter. Pretending to be Captain Kindly, Lieutenant Pores orders Sinter and Kisware to shave their heads for being so incompetent as to get captured. They agree, but then go cut the hair off a horse's tail, and ask Nep Furrow to put a curse on Kindly. In private, Sinter and Baden Gruck lay in bed. She tells Gruck that he's the only type of soldier you can trust, a reluctant one. Tavor, Quickben, Keneb, Blistig, and Lestari Yil meet with Tehul to discuss their march east. They discuss the Warrens, Icarium, and taking an escort. Bug is impressed by Quickben's breadth of knowledge. Tavor eventually agrees to take an escort across the wastelands. So Pete. So AJ. The Malazans are in charge, and they are training the Letheri troops. How do you feel about that? Yeah. The Malazans are training the Lothari. And there is some talk about this, but I don't know. It it just, you know, that doesn't terribly interest me, you know, to be honest. Josh, what do you think? Did this stuff interest you at all? Oh, yeah. Love it yeah. so much. <laughs> okay. This is what they call Josh's shit. <laughs> um, I just think it's fun. Uh, as someone going through uh, an administration degree for teaching, you know, they say you get promoted to the point of incompetency, and that is fully on brand right here for Tar mm. and Cuddle. Two people I could not say are less suited to being in charge of other humans. <laughs> and I know we won't talk about it later, so just the the scene later on when Fiddler comes up and is just like, why have they marched this route 20 times? And they're like, mm. we really thought we'd have a better idea by now. <laughs> That's comedy gold. 10 out of yeah. 10. Loved it. Yeah. So I guess my feeling with this stuff is always like, I don't really know what to make of it, considering I guess I would say a defining feature of mo of many armies, to my understanding, is that there uh, is not a lot of individual choice, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Um, so it kind of just feels like we made up a thing, you know, and uh, I don't really know how to process that in a sense. So, yeah, it is an interesting like difference in leadership styles. Like I fully agree with the Malazans. Like, yeah, I wouldn't want a soldier to listen as I tell them to kill themselves either. Like, makes sense. Yeah, I hear you. I guess I'm like, uh, I guess some part of me is like, I, I don't really like it feels like that's a very important piece of context and informs what makes up a government's military force, you know, mm-hmm. and that to just wave it away. I, I don't know what I'm left with is what how I feel sometimes about mm. about the well, you know, they, they let the mouths and soldiers do their own thing. And that's what made them great, you know, mm. and I'm like, OK, sure. You know, I don't know. That's always struck me as a little strange. You know? Sure. Um, what did you think about this intent to march east? Tavor and uh, tells him we're going through the wastelands and we're either going to fight or we're going to talk our way through. They're going east. They're going east. Pete, what do you what, what, what do you do you think that's a good idea? Yeah, uh, I have no comment about that. Um, Josh, <laughs> do you have any thought about them going east? Well, I mean, considering the west is the ocean, I guess there's really nothing else they can do. <laughs> you know, they could they could just set up shop. And look, if I was them, I would. But you know, sometimes we have to go fight an inscrutable enemy to win a war we don't understand or even possibly want to be a part of. You know, so yeah. that's that's life, ain't it? What do you uh, think about this? <laughs> I guess, promise that we're going to see them fight a bunch of four-curl sail. What do you think about that? Well, look, the Malazan novels tell us in book three that there's four primal races, and right. we've now fought three of them, so, like... Elder races, elder, Josh. Whatever the fuck you want to call them. I mean, I guess it's about time we kill number four, so... Yeah. I don't know. I feel like every time we've seen a Forkula Sail, I guess that was true that with the Kachin Chamal too, though. They're like particularly brutal. No, dude, uh, the Forkula Sail are the fucking worst of them. Yeah. From what we've seen, like the one nearly killed Karsa mm-hmm. uh, and the other one had to get killed by the Jaghut Sorceress. Is that right? Or no, did the Jaghut Sorceress kill someone else in uh, book five or whatever? It's book six, I think. Oh, the yes. one that get The one that gets out of the... Um, doesn't one get out of the graveyard or something or from the tower in Lethers? you're correct yeah I, I have no idea what you're talking about but i know what you're talking about in my gut <laughs> yeah and you are that did happen yeah so like point. we've only seen two and one killed three toblakai and the other one had to get like frozen to death by a sorceress so like they seem pretty sick and now yeah. pete actually pete question though i guess the only two alive could change chamal we had seen fight were the ones from last book, right? Because the book three ones were all undead, could change them all. That's correct. So I guess we don't really know how strong alive ones are other than they killed a shit ton of people last book. So I guess they're relatively strong. Yeah. Was but that I last mean, book or is that two books ago? That was Reaper's Gale. That was two books ago. What was the last so, book? Oh, right. The last book was all in Darugistan. God damn, these books are <laughs> confusing. <laughs> so we're marching east, AJ, and there's this whole scene where they're kind of like, yo, quick, Ben, what is yes. up? You know? Yeah. And finally, at for uh, after a long time coming, there's like a bit of a conversation about what the plan might be in some 100 foot high sense, you yeah. know? Shadowthorn and Cotillion's plan or like the, the Empire? Just plan? maybe the stakes of what the mission are, in a sense. Yeah. Uh, this so was... what did you make of all this? I mean, nothing uh, like very concrete, but it is interesting to think that, like, I guess they're trying to destroy Warrens so that they can make Warrens in their own image or maybe just get rid of it altogether. Mm, aren't, I think you're talking about what's happening in the city, right? Not what the army's trying to go do. No, I mean, that's listen, not what the army's trying also, to do. No, I'm, that's I was just also talk- an element of talking about yeah, that. But we I think can talk about both, whatever. Yeah, Shadowthorn and Cotillion. I think their plan is to oh, sorry, sorry, either change the Warrens or destroy the Warrens and make new ones. Icarium's plan, we think, was to use his body question mark to make new question mark Warrens or like make new paths for them or something. That's what's happening in the city. That was what uh, like Bottle and Ebron were talking about. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm really, really interested in how much of that, if any, we like really see kind of manifest in this book, because I could kind of just see it like we say it here and then we spend the rest of this book marching east and then we get to Kalance and then it's book 10. Uh, and then we, you know, then we see all of that stuff kind of, you know, pop off or whatever. That's mm-hmm. how I feel about it. So, Josh, there's also some conversation around the crippled God here. Mm-hmm. And... Um, kind of speculating about what he's been doing and what might happen to him. 
what what did you make of this kind of them the way they framed the the crippled god and the conflict around him it's interesting i mean i i think i i we, we said a few books ago that like the crippled god when we meet when we see him is like despicable and evil and then like whenever people talk about him i almost feel a little bad because like everyone on the face of the earth wants to murder him to death so like i always feel slightly conflicted and like Mm -hmm. i don't think the gods are particularly great either and i wouldn't just at face value assume they're doing the right thing Mm -hmm. so i'm very conflicted when they talk about stuff pretty interesting that he came down in pieces I mean, we have other green shit currently hurtling towards Earth in pieces. Is that another god? I don't know. The book is very unclear what a god even is. So it is very fantasy to say that the heart, the heart shard of a god fell in this city and corrupted it. Now we have to go cleanse it. Like, I mean, that is some fantasy shit. So I did like it. It's good, though. I'm excited for it. It is good. We also got a new uh, gate name drop. Uh, Akrast Corvalane. New that's gate a, name dropped. It's a cool one. I, that's a cool one. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, it's um, it's one that I don't know if is always on the tip of my tongue. Sure, I do think it's interesting that it ends in Lane as well as uh, as like uh, Starval Demolane does. Yeah. Also. Oh, look at that. Yeah. So. Uh oh. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. What do you think about you know we get the one the one army like leader view of like what we're doing here with the Malazans and then we head to the throne room uh with Tahal and Bug and uh Ublala and Breeze uh and Jenath kind of talking about what their plan is. I I mean it's my that is my favorite part of this three sections that we have watched mm. uh, that we read in this for this ep. I I think any throne room scene with those four people, five people is absolutely peak everything of malazan i love i love them it's my favorites um and uh i also really love when tehol outsmarts people just through sheer fast talk you know (laughs) sure so that was great uh i I just i i I just i was in love with the whole thing so i don't really have anything insightful for it just big fan yeah I loved the Ublala being like, well, Carso Orlong told me to grab oh a bunch God, of Toblakai yes. to end the world. And Breeze yes. is like, maybe, maybe hold off for a second. So good. Yeah. So good. Asking to pump the brakes on that one exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can we maybe uh, maybe maybe we put that a second no. on the, on the, the yeah. list? Yeah, Really good. And I also I just like Tavor being like at just forced, you know, like to to go with this plan even though it like is pretty much exactly what she did not want i it just was great <laughs> yeah so aj you mentioned earlier some of the talk about the warrens in yes. the city i did want to talk a little bit about sin and grub mm. there has been a lot of so far in this book they've kind of returned to the foreground and i mm. wonder what you feel like is going on with them do, do you have a do you have a scent of where that might be going i mean <clears throat> not really like they are just two extremely magical children teens maybe um sin might be a teen grub's definitely still a child but uh yeah i i I don't know i mean they're they're obviously more than they appear to be but i really i don't know if i can even guess at what their role is going to be like they said they're going to go fix the pattern and then they see these like red like spider webs of power or whatever in the Azath before they walk in mm-hmm. and they say it's like knotted. It's like a chaotic knot or something. And I don't know if that's supposed to be like literal chaos or if it's just like, man, look at this knot that sure is chaotic. So I could see them maybe like turning into pure magic or whatever. Like they just, their, their, their ending is them turning into, you know, energy. And then they just become a part of the, the new Warren paths or whatever. But I really, I really have no idea. I'm into it, though. I'm big, big into it. I love this stuff. Yeah, I'm a Sin fan, so. Mm-hmm. Peter loves to Sin. Yeah, I, I've said it before. <laughs> and then um, we get this, uh, these last couple of scenes in the camp uh, with Hedge talking to Fiddler. Like that scene a lot. Yeah, Pete, what did you, what did you think about this scene? I don't know. It's just nice to return to see them and to see their kind of what, the conversation around their relationship is actually like, do you know what I mean? And yeah. to just have a moment where it's like, 
what does that mean for Fiddler? What does that mean for Hedge? And I have it be in Fiddler's point of view, I found to be compelling mm. and um, kind of speak to how Fiddler has changed throughout the books. I mean, Fiddler is probably one of the characters we followed most throughout it. I think superficially, he is in somewhat a similar position as when we started the series. However, I think, you know, you can tell internally he's changed a lot. And mm-hmm. I think that comes out in this scene with Hedge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Josh, did you like this kind of complicated, like, oh, we can't just be best friends again? Like you were dead. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. I, I similar to what Peter. I mean, like Fiddler literally at book two was like, all right, I'm going on a whole life journey to discover what it means to not be a bridge burner anymore. Yeah. And then that's what he's done, you know? He was strings for like five books. It's only mm-hmm. like within the last couple that he finally accepted being called Fiddler again, you know? Like mm-hmm. he tried to leave that behind him and it keeps coming back. I totally understand why he would be upset about it. Yeah. You know? My name is Strings, actually. Yeah. It was a pretty good name, you know? I, I do feel like you could get farther from Fiddler, though, if you wanted. Oh. Like you'd be like, call yeah, me AJ, Eric. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, 100%. Yeah. My name's Tony Danza. <laughs> So then he he sends Hedge to hang out with Gessler, I guess, to like reincorporate or or whatever into this this kind of whole thing. Uh, and then finally here, I mean, we already touched on like the divorce stuff. Um, that's the actual finally. But the last thing that I would like to talk about is Pores pretending to be kindly telling Sinter and Kisswear to shave their heads. What, what what did you think about this whole scene, Josh? What like what did you make of the the deceit and also the curse and then also this bad and gruck stuff? The Lieutenant Porus thing is very good, um, and I also love... Oh, hold on. Both cats are in here. This is really throwing me off. I did not expect to see the two of them in this room with me. It's it's all Hallow's Eve, Josh. Yeah, well, Clyde hates my guts, so anytime he's in the room with me, throws me off. Um, so I, I did like the Lieutenant Porus being kindly thing. Kindly's such a... I, I hate him, and it's I mean, yeah. which is, I think, the point of it, even though he is funny. So I like that scene. I like that he orders himself to do... Like a like to go like be in a dark room or whatever for a while and just chill out. Yeah. Um, that was really great. Uh, I also really love that Sinter and Kisswear are both like fuck everything he just said. <laughs> yeah, um, fuck they're, that. Actually, they're fun. Uh, and Bad and Grook is the one that's from the same place as them. Yes, that like sort of followed the one of them or whatever. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. Yeah, that sounds right. Maybe I just know he and and Sinter are in like a a secret relationship. I don't, are they in a secret relationship or does he just want them to be in a relationship? Uh, I thought that that scene took place like in in bed there. The scene with them. Maybe I misread it then. Did not or maybe that. I did. Honestly, I don't, I don't remember. know. That's ah, whatever. I think they were. Both, I think. But yeah, but AJ, I think they were laying in their beds like in the barracks. Uh, you know, I think there's like communal like they were each in sure, a different sure, cot. Sure, 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 sure. Could have read it wrong, though. Nah, I mean, whatever. But either way, they have this kind of like semi-tender moment yeah it's nice uh yeah are you like looking forward to seeing what happens in this relationship or, nope. or what no nope. yeah i'm kind of tired of malazine relationships because so few of them end in any kind of good way so like <laughs> i'm not gonna have any I, I won't enjoy them until i know that they don't end in sadness sure 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 uh pete was there anything else you wanted to touch on in this chapter or in these scenes i have a really important question i did want to ask yeah. um have either of you shaved your head Actually, AJ, I can think of the. I say head. you know that I have. I was right to say I was. I was. I, I could. I'm actually imagine with a shaved head in my mind. Yeah. I was a big buzz cut kid for quite a long time. Same. Um, mostly, well, because you know when you're a boy in elementary school, you don't give a shit what you look like. So like, my mom was yeah. like, Josh, don't you love buzz cuts? And I was like, Fucking sure, I guess. Yeah, my dad was like, I don't feel like paying $20 to have him buzz your head, so I bought shears of my own, and I will buzz oh, your head for three years. I love that. No, yeah. I like just, uh, I just did that, and then we made it really confusing when I grew my hair out as a sixth grader and I had an afro. Everyone was like, mm. you were you were fucking blonde when we started buzzing your hair. <laughs> yeah, I exclusively, I met, I met Afro Josh. That's when I met oh, yeah. Joshua Baker. Nice. Oh, yeah. The, nice. the best Josh. All right, um, that was all. Um, Let's uh, move on. Let's move on. Chapter six. War leader Gaul of the Kundral Burned Tears receives word of his men killing some Bolkondo. He realizes they can't flee if they intend to escort Tavor and the Malazans. 
so he orders his men to march on the capital. As the Greyhounds land their ships, Tanakalian and Run Thurvian talk about choosing a new destriant. They talk about the possibility of a Balkondo ambush, and Tanakalian thinks about how they will change the world with war. Tanakalian decides Run Thurvian doesn't need to know what he was told by the dying destriant. Chancellor Rava and Conquestor Avalt of the Balkondo receive the news of the Burned Tears turning against them and assume they will march into the wastelands. They make a whole bunch of other assumptions that definitely will not end up being bad for them. They intend to ambush the Greyhounds. Tanakalian and Runthervian show up and call Rava and Avalt out on all their schemes. The snakes leave and Runthervian calls his men to march, understanding that the Burned Tears have most likely turned their attention to the capital. Jan Tobis, also known as Twilight, thinks about how King Tahul will eventually be devoured by the system he is trying to dismantle. Yedin Derig tries to convince his sister not to take the Sheikh from the island, but she tells them that he has left her no choice. Pithy and Brevity talk about how to use the Sheikh March on Lether to their advantage. Pully and Squish are surprised when Twilight tells them she intends to take the Sheikh back home to the Dark Shore. Our motley crew continues their way through the desert. They eventually come upon a massive structure in the shape of a dragon. They discover this place to be a city and find a buried entrance. They dig their way through, eventually finding a dozen assassinated Kachain Chamal. A ghost is there too. They do not like spears. So we head now in the beginning half of this chapter to introduce ourselves to some new uh, some new players in the game. Josh, what do you make about the all, all these all these people? The, well, the first off, War Leader yeah. Grawls and uh, he Grawls an OG. All right, we love Gaul. Do I we? don't love Gaul. I have to tell you, I, I've heard the Kundral are wreaking havoc in the south and, uh, and just are sounds totally... like some sounds like some Kalant's propaganda bullshit anyway uh <laughs> oh sorry some Balkondo yeah. propaganda say, Balkondo, excuse me yeah but now we we stand Gaul we stand the Kundral burn tears uh big big Coltane heads as are we so <laughs> right I, I I said before I I fucking love the Balkondo people so far because they are absolutely dumber than they think they are which is just such a recurring theme of, of malazan mm-hmm. like everyone always all the time thinks are the smartest in the room so yeah as i was reading this section i was like this is the illustration of yeah. all those times josh is like everybody thinks that they are smartest as yeah. shit and they are actually so stupid yeah so i mean like i get it they've been fighting the same three other countries for generations and never actually doing anything so yeah. of course they've convinced <clears throat> themselves of the same propaganda that they're spewing to their citizens so they're just dumb um and i think it's going to be very i am really curious if there will be any real fighting. I mean, like, the Greyhelms know they're being led into an area with the potential for a trap, which the Volkondans then themselves admit later. Like, so maybe there's a fight there. I don't know. I, I'm very, uh, very curious to see where it all goes. And obviously, the, the Greyhelms, you know, for all their kind of bravado, they're playing a very dangerous game. Like, they are fully cut off from their reinforcements. Like, they have mm-hmm. reinforcements on either side, but they are not reachable yet. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah. This seems like a very, very risky plan from Tavor to send her armies like this. All the and yeah. you know, Tavor did we did we didn't talk about it much, but the, you know, there is the scene last chapter where Tavor like pretty much single-handedly humbles everyone at that table and like says stuff that they don't think she should know. So mm-hmm. she does seem to be really informed and make great decisions, but we're gonna see if it pays off. Uh, I guess in a few chapters. Yeah. 
Pete, when you first read this stuff, what 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 were you thinking about the the gray humble condo whatnot? I think I I really didn't like it. Was is my honest answer? Hmm. Yeah, I think I'm like super tuned out of this. I I listened to this on the way back. I was driving back from from my vacation, and I was listening to the audiobook. And the like, I just kept waiting for the next section to happen and not be them. And it just kept being this like it is a lot. Literally, of like half of the chapter, maybe more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, man, I am just so tuned out of this. Like the military strategy stuff generally is like stuff I'm not super interested in. And this isn't like, and, and so even like the Rava and a vault, like here are all our silly plans. Like even all that stuff, I wasn't even like tuned yeah, into. It's just like, ugh. I, I would say that, um, similar, it was, it was somewhat similar to my experience reading Reaper's Gale, a book that I did not love the first time I read it and mm. still don't particularly love. But, um, I think I was so eager to learn what was going to happen next with the plot to follow up on characters I really cared about that when it came to these scenes, I was like, what the fuck is going on? We got to get out of here. Show me what I'm looking for. It's mm. not this. And I wasn't very open to it. So I do think coming back this time, it has been nice to kind of know, you know, I kind of know what to expect and be able to be like, okay, well, time to like, I'm going to take an interest in this stuff and like, let's see what's going on here. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So I, I totally relate to what you're saying, you know? Yeah. So uh, speaking of plot lines, you may or may not be tuned into. Uh, are you tuned into the Shake storyline? Uh, absolutely. Of course. A hundred percent. I love this stuff so much. Something about like every time we go to the shake in my head, I'm like, it is like really dark and there is a thunderstorm happening. Like that's what I see in my head all the time. And I'm like, this rules. I love this. I love these vibes. Um, even though it's like a hundred percent, not just raining all the time where they are. Uh, I, I thought her twilight's thoughts on Tehal like not being able to actually, make any meaningful change within this system because of how it has, you know, like basically devoured every other person who has sat in that seat, I think is really interesting. And I'm curious if that that's some like, I don't know, foreboding foreshadowing, you know, uh, if we're supposed to be worried now about to hold. I mean, because I am now I'm like, oh, well, I guess maybe he doesn't have as firm a grasp on everything as as he thinks or as I thought he thought he did. And then the the yet and Derek stuff, I think, is still just it's not funny, but every time he comes up, I'm like, oh, here's this fucking idiot again. Fucking idiot. He's, I mean, not an idiot. It's just like, I don't know. He's just like doing whatever. He's just kind of doing whatever he wants, you know? And if I were him, I would listen to Twilight because I love and respect her. I'm just glad that we can, the, the, you guys, we, we now, you now understand why I've been a long time Twilight fan. Yeah. Atrapray uh, Yantova is also known as Twilight. Yes. This POV yes. that, for the record, I was like, oh, we, we are getting this POV. She's absolutely going to die in like a half a page. Oh, really? And then yeah. We're, we're, we record that episode and I'm there like, I'm like, Twilight's showing up. <laughs> oh, Twilight yeah, yeah, yeah. Time, baby. <laughs> oh, well, you're talking about your original one. Yeah, because we that book had so many random Lefairy officers yeah. who would have one 100%. scene and get and absolutely beef it yeah well, and she had that was like she sees the demon or whatever like rip apart the boat remember yeah, yeah, so it was yeah. like yeah and then oh, there's like one oh, other totally scene where she thought she was gonna die because she was yeah. in that yeah you're right you're right you're i think right. she formally surrenders in another scene I, she's only in like three scenes of midnight tides yeah, yeah. um iconic but here she is i'm i'm, I'm a big fan um she's a queen literally <laughs> literally <laughs> yeah. am i right Josh, what did you think about this stuff? The the maybe the the pulley and squish stuff as well of her being like, yeah, we're going home to the dark shore. Well, oh, like yeah. I mean, it really sounds like they're going to the Warren of like the of darkness, yeah. right? Which is, I mean, really brings into question a lot of the relationships with the Eater and stuff. I find it very interesting. So yeah. Oh, sorry, no, it would be with with the uh, Andy. That's right, the Eater or the Shadow ones. So. Yes. Yes. I don't know. Find it very interesting. Um, Don't understand it, though, because that's Malazan, baby. Yeah. Uh, speaking of not understanding. did What don't you understand? This next bit uh, where we're walking through the desert and we get this POV of this ghost that is just following them. Who's this ghost, Josh? Oh, I don't know. Um, Wait, wait the ghost that like can't see anything. Yeah, yeah. That's like just inhabiting them. The ghost that is just like around and then realizes at the end of the chapter, like, oh, I'm actually like stuck with them and I can't escape shit. Like the whole time is like, yeah, this this section is like, I feel like I feel like if I reread the two scenes we've had, I'd probably be able to tell you a 
uh, more than I currently could, but I, I have agree. no interest in doing that. I agree. <laughs> I and they all have these weird names or whatever, right? Aren't they aren't they going by weird names or not? Or am I thinking of something else? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, they're just going by the like Taxilian and stuff. Like they're just their regular names. And who who are what oh God? It's Taxilian. It's Ruthus Hanar. Aren't there like three other people whose names I don't? I feel like there are three people whose names I didn't recognize very well. Or am I wrong on that? I don't have the book nearby. Um, not that I remember, but I like I said, I didn't really grab onto a lot. There's Sheb. Yeah. Uh, See these names. I, the, who are these people? If we met them in previous books, a sane nap it. If we met these people in a previous book, I have absolutely no memory of who they are. Yeah. There's That's also what I was trying to think of. There's also bits where it's like, oh, we have a lantern now. And like, I don't, and the ghost is like, I don't remember yeah. them having this so, stuff. Yes. So a hundred percent, it's like either the ghost can't comprehend reality or they are dead and in, or in some warren where like material does not really count and they can just have shit. And it's yeah, well, so weird. The only other time we've seen something like this happen, something like that happen. And I'm now just making this connection in media res is when hedge was like half yeah, alive. Exactly. In- and he just pulled out his fucking, he was like, I wish I had, you know, this bomb right. and he did. Yeah. Yeah, so I think they are ghosts. I think I think that is where I'm going to land on it. But I think there's a really strong possibility they're ghosts. I just don't know. Pete, did you uh, connect with this stuff, or are you connecting with it more now? Like, what is your relationship with the, with these kind of this crew and stuff? Um, I think this falls into a, what I made that similar comment with. But I agree that unlike some other, but but I think even with some of that other stuff, I. Like, I do think I'm grasping more onto the Balkondo stuff. I'm enjoying mm. that. I'm enjoying some of the other, the, the, the snake stuff, which I didn't really tune into that hard the first time around. Mm. Um, this is still leaving me a little bit out in the dry. You mm. know, I do find it, I'm struggling to find a way in, I yeah. would say. Yeah. But hey, there's a giant dragon city. So that's pretty cool. Pretty sick. But also, I've always <laughs> said I wish more cities were built in the shape of dragons. <laughs> you know what? I agree. I agree, Josh. There's a there's a place. I don't know if this is a spoiler for you, Josh, but there's a place in Elden Ring where you can just come across a like huge ass dragon that has basically become part of a city. Oh, and you can like walk up it and stuff. It's sick. It's okay. There's no spoilers. I'm never going to finish it. So I'm I'm sorry to say, AJ, unless you're talking about World of Warcraft, it's not allowed on this. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, we can't all be elite gamers but uh i mean as far as these chapters go i think that's kind of all i got for this one it's gonna wrap us up and bring us towards part two eater of diamonds and gems um josh do you have any guesses about what might happen in part two of dust of dreams uh what was it called of diamonds and gems eaters of diamonds and gems uh i think there could possibly be some conflict between the bargast and the kachin shamal but i also could easily see the kachin shamal just going elsewhere um and i think the malazan army will set out but i do not think they will reach bakondo in this next book i think Mm. it will take them longer and i think the gray helms will have a conflict with the bakondo ends there's my three predictions hmm AJ? Yeah, I, I think Josh is right that we're not gonna we're not gonna run into the Balkondo with the Malazans anytime soon. I don't know. I, I'm I'm like really hyped up on all the prep stuff that we did in this first book with the the deck reading and the you know kind of revealing what Kalance is and kind of maybe guessing what a Shadow Throne and Cotillion were up to, also B what Icarium kind of was also up to. Like I think all of this stuff is like feels really revelatory to me but i really don't think any of that is going to manifest in a meaningful way until book 10 (laughs) so i i i honestly i i don't know i i think maybe we'll get introduced to like another faction maybe i think we're gonna get more um torrent stuff i think he's gonna have more Mm, yeah more more stuff but uh really what i'm looking forward to i think is some more um kalana scenes um just to see what she's up to and what it's like being the only Alan left. Uh, and then in my dreams, Haboric shows up and we follow Haboric for a thousand pages. Would like fucking that. kill for <laughs> any Haboric stuff. Yeah, I love Haboric So stuff. I could understand anything. Yeah. But yeah, so I, like I said, I don't know. I think my answer when you ask this question usually is I don't know. Uh, and that is where I stand here as well. 
All right, everyone. Well, thank you for tuning into our show. As yes. always, um, next time uh, we will be back. Hopefully, I won't have a cold, and hopefully, India will be with us. Yes. Just a reminder: if the uh, for those of you who might skip the patron announcements in the middle of the episode, uh, shame on you. First of all, you have three days to back at the one dollar tier before we remove the one dollar tier. Just get in there. Put a dollar in the bucket. If you become a patron at the one dollar tier before November first. You will be able to stay at that tier indefinitely. But after November 1st, we will be getting rid of the $1 tier and the $3 tier will be the lowest you will be able to support us at. Uh, Patreon, Patreon. Patreon, Patreon. But that's all that we have for you today. We'll be back in two weeks and I will be back in just a second doing my credit stuff. So uh, when I say come, you say passion. Come, passion. passion. Hello, everybody. Producer AJ here, and I've had two coffees today. Thank you so very much for listening to this episode of the podcast. One final reminder about the changes to the show this season. Number one, we are on YouTube now. Tell your podcatcher averse friends about it. Number two, please fill out the live event interest survey if you haven't already. And number three, if you're interested in the changes coming to our Patreon coming November 1st, please read the public Patreon post linked below. Thank you. If you'd like to give us your thoughts or feelings about this or any of our episodes, you can always email us 10 very bigbooks at gmail.com tweet us at 10 very big books or you can head on over to discord bit.ly slash vbb discord that's capital v capital b capital b capital d discord that link will also be in our show notes thank you to our wonderful patrons over on patreon if you'd like to financially support the show you can head on over to patreon.com slash 10 very big books that link also in the show notes and as always thank you so very much to dan gezerick for making our spectacular cover art you can follow him on twitter at a underscore w underscore dan g for the hottest midterm election tech Text messaging campaign takes. Thank you as well to resident Instagram real hater Scout Wilkinson for the special art she will be providing for this season. Keep an eye out. Uh, you can follow her at twitter.com slash humble goat. And of course, the wonderful music in today's episode, including the remixed intro and outro track, is by the one, the only Amaranthan from his album Simulant Rain, which you can find along with his other music on bandcamp.com. Links to their pages will be in the show notes. And 10 Very Big Books will be back in two weeks on November 11th reading Dust of Dreams, chapters 7 and 8. I'll talk to you then, and thank you so much for listening. Can I just say, I forgot Maradon was in Deathless, and that fucking dungeon, that, they didn't, there was no theme. They were like, uh, Maradon for, sucks. It was a bad dungeon, and I ran it I remember a one time ton. I tracked all the way out there in vanilla and yeah. it's like i the whole dungeon sucked and i got nothing out of no, it no yeah and i remember running it a billion times because like it's it's that you it's that level leveling part of of wow where there was nothing to do but dungeons. there's no quest it's yeah. like there's one quest in this zone yeah come back three <laughs> levels later yeah. you can get another one we talked about this very recently peter um yeah it's because unfortunately we talked about sunken I, temple I that's a, what it was yeah we were complaining about sunken temple <laughs> this is that's so a better funny. dungeon it it's is, at least it has is a, it at least is a cooler theme yeah it, it sucks in many ways but it, it is cool atmospherically it was like a cool <laughs> green dragon you kill or something in that one yeah yeah i think it's like the spirit of hakar yeah <laughs> yeah you're right um so, AJ, I noticed you're weirdly silent during this. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, so I didn't do a lot of dungeon running I, uh, when I was playing WoW. I just I kind ran, of... I you, know, you, you I forgot you were a battle... Yeah, just a, you were a PvP guy. Oh, no, AJ loves not real into Alteric Valley. Always doing a rat. No, faces. I just was just like too anxious to ever be like, LFG, this dungeon. Like, <laughs> like, um, yeah, so... Well, pl well, plus that was like before all the LFG systems. Yes. And I have to tell you, that always kind of sucked. It was... It was a mixture of like people being super rude to you and then like it being like, oh, this is kind of fun. I like met some people and we did a thing. Yeah. You know? yeah. I yeah. When they made the one that was just like you could just click, I'm looking for this dungeon, find mm -hmm. four people, hit add on all four and be like, all right, meet me there in 10. Like that was the dream. The yeah. best. Not like I'm running around. Yeah. Uh, the you know barons being like wailing caverns question mark yeah, question mark yeah, question yeah, mark, question sla mark. Yeah, slash general uh, I'm just gonna hit <laughs> control V to my 20,000 word post I, I wrote and, and copied earlier <laughs>